Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. So we've seen six, imp- uh, six marks and six impedances so far throughout this study on spiritual maturity. And tonight we're going to look at the seventh mark of a spiritually mature or spiritually uh, maturing uh, Christian. Again, this is the aim of all of our lives. As Christians, this is what we're supposed to be aiming at is Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity. Uh, to be so spiritually complete that our lives resemble the life of Christ. Again, that's what we all should be striving for. When we look at our lives, we should say, it should be looking more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. As I said before, we should be able to look back a year ago and say, I feel like that I've grown in these areas. Again, the marks that we have, the impedances that may be in our life that we recognize now, as we go along, uh, we should say, you know what, I don't know that I have as much as a problem with controlling my tongue as I did last year. Or I think that I have um, maybe more love I'm displaying more love in my life than I did last year. Again, it should be something that we see as a progression in our life. And so uh, let's pray, and we'll get into this seventh mark. I love this. I'm ready for this tonight. All right, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for holding back the storms. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful for the rain. We're thankful for the water. Uh, We know that you uh, have a perfect plan and all that. And we thank you for keeping everybody safe. Uh, this week through the storms. I know that there were many people in, in harm's way, but we thank you for protecting uh, our church family. I know that was a direct prayer of ours, um, that you uh, protect the, the people in our church and the, in our community, and um, Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray tonight that you would uh, just speak to us through this message. It's such, such an important thing. Uh, it is definitely an element uh, in, um, in you. It's an element that you displayed or a characteristic that you displayed, that you expressed, that we are to have in our lives as your followers. And I pray that every single one of us that's a Christian would be in tune uh, to what this is and would strive to have this as a mark in our life. And um, Lord, uh, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you, I pray that you would just speak to them tonight through all of this and that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Again, we uh, pray that you would just uh, bless our time together and that you be glorified. In Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen. So, mark number seven is unity. Unity. So if you have um, the, the sermon notes right there at the top, you can fill that in. Also, um, there is that uh, way if you want to do things digitally, you can go on to uh, the Church Center app and log on to the, or, or ask to be a part of the, um, the group uh, sermon PDFs, and you can get that digital if you want. Uh, but first mark, or mark seven is unity. In Ephesians chapter four, I want to look at the first six verses and uh, see what this gives us for Roman numeral number one. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. And listen to verse three eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he says this statement, this is what every single one of us should do, that we should live our lives in a way that is worthy of the calling that we've been called to, to live after Jesus Christ. And then he says, well, humility, humility, gentleness, patience, we're supposed to bear one another in love, and we're supposed to all have this eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit 
in the church with the bond of peace. Peace is the glue that's going to allow us to be unified as the, the body of Christ. And so um, strife, tension, division, all those things, we already talked about that as one of the hindrances. Those things keep us from being unified. Those things keep us from maturing. But when we are eager to maintain unity, and what's driving us is the peace of God. Jesus said in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. It's an element in all of our lives if, if we're Christians. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that should be displayed. It's something that should drive our eagerness to be unified. And that's peace. Peacefulness. It goes on and says this. There's a reason why. Because there's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Talking about believers. Talking about the church. And so again... This is an element that exists inside the church. This is, a, this is a characteristic that every single Christian should not only uh, possess, but should be striving for more and more of in their life. And that is the unity of the Spirit. Point number one there, those first verse, six verses constitute the basis of unity. The basis of unity. The basis of unity was found just very clearly in those verses where it says that there is a unity inside God. Unity with the one, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. So that's the basis of our unity. And we say, what should our unity as Christians look like? What should our unity as a church look like? The basis of it is, well, look to God. Look to the Father. Look to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Is there any division inside the Godhead? The answer is absolutely not. They are perfectly unified. They are one, it says, one. The Bible says that they are three in one in 1 John. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, Son, and the, and the, and the, and the Spirit. And these three are one, it says. And so again, when we say, what, what, is, what is our church unity supposed to look like? Again, it, we should look, the basis of that is the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so as Christians, we're supposed to be striving, eager to maintain that type of unity. That means a lot of things. That means, again, we can look at the life of Christ and say, man, what was Christ willing to do? Christ was willing to die to be unified with the Father in his plan, his will for salvation for mankind. And so, again, that's our example. What, what links should we go to to maintain the unity of the Spirit? I think the answer would be, well, look to, look to Christ's example. He was willing to do whatever he was called to do to fulfill the, the, the Father's plan, again, being one with the Father. So the following verses, after the first six verses, are going to constitute the means of preserving the unity of the body. So the basis is the Godhead. What does unity look like? Look, look to the Godhead. Now, how, if we're eager to, to, to get the unity of the Spirit, how do we maintain it? How, how are we going to have unity as Christians, as a church? How are we going to have it, and how are we going to preserve it? How are we going to maintain the unity in the body of Christ? Look at verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. 
The means of preserving unity in the body of Christ are the gifts that he gave by his grace to the church. So how are we, how are we going to maintain this unity? By the gifts that the Lord gave to the church. And it goes on and says in verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Who, uh, who, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. But here it goes on. So that's a little parenthesis. He says he's talking about the one, Christ. But now he says, here's what he gave. Here are the gifts that he gave to the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, and teachers. So again, we look at Scripture and we say, how is it that that is what keeps the unity in the church? It's, it's part of what keeps order. It's, it's, again, the responsibility of pastors and teachers and evangelists and, and, and the, the apostles in their age to, to teach and to preach and to carry out what God had called to carry out, which was teach the truth in love, which we'll see in just a second. The basis, again, is the unity that's seen in the Godhead. The means is the gifts that he gave by his grace to the church. And last, the third thing is the purpose of the gift, the gifts to accomplish this unity. So the base is the Godhead. The means are the gifts that he gives to preserve the, the unity. But what's the purpose of, of this unity? Why, why, should, why is this so important other than having this as a mark of maturity, other than it being in Christ, other than it being what we see in the Godhead, why are we supposed to be unified as a body? Why are we supposed to be on the same page as a body? What's the purpose of these gifts given to the church so that unity is accomplished and unity is preserved? Verse 12, here's why the gifts were given. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up, the edifying of the body of Christ, and then here's the end of that Equipping and building until we all, every single member, every single Christian attain or reaches, comes to this place, arrives at this place of the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood, to the measure. What does that look like? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, again, when we see what God says, here's what I want for my church. I want every single person to be unified. And what that unity looks like is it looks like us, the Godhead. And how I'm going to make sure that unity is developed and preserved inside of the church is I'm going to give gifts to the church. And those gifts are going to teach and they're going to preach so that the saints are busy about the work. And so the saints are growing up in spiritual maturity so that the body looks like the full stature of Jesus Christ. Full spiritual maturity. That's what the purpose of it all is. Here's the reason why this is important. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, here it is, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Listen to this. By every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. When this happens, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. But what's the purpose of that? 
so that we can, because imagine this, if Christ is the head of the church, let's go a little bit with the, with the, with the illustration here, uh, the personification or whatever you want to you say, that Christ is the head of the body. So imagine the head of the body. Now, everybody's seen those, those toddlers at that age uh, when, when they're growing and their head looks a lot bigger than their body. It looks like at any point they can just tip over, you know, because they, it looks a little disproportionate because they're still growing, right? That's the process. Eventually they grow up enough and their body evens out. That's the natural progression inside the body of Christ. Christ, he is already fully matured. He is already, he doesn't, he's not mature. When I say the word mature, I mean complete. He's already fully complete, spiritually complete. He lacks nothing. But we as his body and the body parts are in a development stage. And so the, the goal is that we would, like a toddler, our body would fill out, that, that we would grow up and we would measure up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. So it all even out. So we would mature to that point. But what, why? So that we could stand on this temporal earth and say, now we are mature Christians. Our work here is done. You know, is that the point? Is that the point of, of the, the church being unified, of spiritual maturity growing up? Is to just say that we are fully mature? Someone put it like this in, in talking about these verses. The gifts to the church, the ministers, are to minister to all the church until all the church attains. And the, and the Greek word means like a, a, the travelers in the book of Acts arriving at their destinations. So this is why ministers are supposed to minister the word till all of the church arrives at three goals. The three goals, the unity of the faith and full knowledge of Jesus Christ. Number two, to a, a, a mature man. And then number three, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. As each believer functions in accord with the gift of Christ as he has been given, and the ministers minister as they are called to minister, the body as a whole enjoys unity and becomes more spiritually mature, more like Jesus Christ in all his fullness. So at this point, we can see that there's a greater purpose of unity. If we're supposed to come to the fullness of the stature or the, 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 the stature of the fullness of Christ, if that's the point of this local body gathering together, hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, growing in the word of God, knowing him more, spiritually maturing, is that we would become more and more like him, more and more spiritually com uh, complete like Christ. The question is, why? What, what is the end of all of that? You know, not just so that we can say we're mature, as I said a while ago. Why? Why would we need to be unified? Why would we all need to be growing? Why would we all need to, to, to strive for this place of spiritual maturity? Why should we all strive to have these marks of maturity in our life and not have the impedances in our life? Why? What's the point of it all? I think that we can get that answer by simply looking at the person in the ministry of Jesus Christ. What, I mean, that's the answer, right? If we're supposed to grow up into him, if we're supposed to measure up to the fullness of Jesus Christ, then let's look at him. Let's look at his life. Let's look at his ministry. What does that look like? I think one of the best accounts of what his life was about and what his purpose was about was revealed in his heart or through his prayer. His heart was revealed through his prayer to the Father in John chapter 17. So again, if you, if you want to know what's really in, somebody heart, uh, in somebody's heart, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks, right? Sometimes when you're praying with somebody, 
you get some of those deepest, most intimate desires expressed during that time. Sometimes the Lord answers that. But when you're praying, that's, that's an expression. So when we look at Christ and his prayer to the Father, we can see what his greatest desires are, I believe. And in John chapter 17, he's praying for us, praying for his followers. So think about this. If, the, if, if, if we're supposed to have unity and we're supposed to grow into to the fullness of the measure of Christ, our lives are supposed to, to, to reflect the, the life of Christ, and, and, and we are to to strive after him, then we get a little glimpse of what his desires were, his purpose was in his prayer. That's like getting a, a little prayer journal. Somebody's saying, here, this is, you know, the, 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 there's been great preachers throughout the ages, and, and somebody's like, oh, this is so-and-so, this is Charles Purgeon's prayer journal. This is, you know, uh, so-and-so's prayer, this is D.L. Moody's uh, notes and stuff like that. And some of these things have per- uh, turned into um, commentaries and stuff like that. But this is, this was written down from the heart of Almighty God in the flesh. This is, this is Jesus Christ, His heart being expressed, God the Son to God the Father. This is like inside information. What should it look like? What's the purpose of our unity? What's, why, why should we grow up into the fullness of Christ? John chapter 17, verse 1. When Jesus spoke in these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour's come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify you. Man, you could preach two years on just that right there. I mean, his first expression is, now's the time for me to be put to death. And so what I'm asking you is to glorify me so that I can glorify you. I mean, that was the intention of God coming to this earth in the flesh was to fulfill the will of the Father. And so he says this, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I love that. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me, and they've received them, and they've come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. Whoa, I love that. This is God the Son praying to God the Father, and now he's starting to say, I'm praying for those that are ours. I've done everything you told me to do. They've received me. Believers have received me. They've they've heard the words that you gave to me to give to them. They believed. They've kept them. And now I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you've given to me, because they're yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, 
which you have given. Protect them. Watch over the watch uh, which have, you have given me. Listen to here it is. That they may be one, even as we are one. God the Son praying to God the Father and saying, I, I need you to protect them. Look, I don't, I, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm about to leave, but they're going to stay in the world. And what I'm asking you to do, Father, is to protect them. Here's the reason why. So that they may be one in the same way, he says, even as, in the same way that we are one. Remember what he says? Everything you have is mine and mine is yours. We, we have we have all things common. We are absolutely unified from before the world was even created. This perfect unity. And so he says his first prayer for his people is that the Father would keep them, protect them, so that they would be unified. He says, while I was with them, I kept, I kept them in your name. I protected them, which you've given me. I've guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they, might, they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus said, I gave them the words so that they can have joy through this, through this life. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Isn't that interesting? I've preached on this before, but like, it would be awesome if we got saved and God would just take us to his eternal heaven. Right? No more problems, no more sins, no more uh, issues, no more hurt, no more, no more nothing. I mean, just perfection for all of eternity. But he doesn't. There's coming a day that we'll be there, just as uh, Brother Robert's saying, one day, then face to face, you know. But he says, I, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to guard them from the evil one keep them to protect them from the evil one they're not of the world just as i'm not of the world remember that he says they're not of the world just as i'm not of the world so sanctify them in thy truth your word is truth he's praised this prayer set them apart consecrate them through your word that's going to be their distinction that's going to be their mark is that they are set apart as followers of the word i said remember that because what we're going to be preaching on Sunday, <laughs> if you're here Sunday. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, uh, in, in, uh, them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only. Here comes his prayer for us today in 2019. But also for those who believe, will believe in me through their word. Talking about his followers at that time. That, here it is, that they, all, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, here, here, listen to this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. So according to God, here, writing down, his prayer, there's a clear purpose for the unity. There's a clear purpose for us to grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. There's a reason for this perfect unity, and it's seen here in verse 21 and here in verse 23. What did he say? So that the world may believe that you have sent me, so that the world may know you have sent me, 
And you love them even as you love me. So when we're unified, when we are operating as one, when we have the same desires, when we as the body of Christ are marching in the same direction and striving for the same purpose and living for the same goal and and, and desiring that same maturity in Christ, when we're all going that same thing, not just in our heads, not just with our hearts, oh, my heart's there. No, we are actually living that way. The world can see what Christ really looks like. So he says, that the world may believe that you sent me. What's, that, what's the implications? That Christ is the Messiah, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the only way of salvation. Again, when we are unified and we are going the way that God wants us to go, that speaks to the world that Jesus is who he, is, who he says he is. So the reality is, and I'll put this in your notes, you can't accomplish, we can't accomplish God's will or God's plan without unity. So here's the thing. A lot of people say, I don't have to go to church to have a relationship with God. To have a relationship with God, you don't have to go to church. That's that's the response. That's a work. That's something you do. To have a relationship with God, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and his death, his resurrection to be saved. And when I say faith, we've already talked about that. That means an entrustment. You have to turn your life over to Jesus Christ, believing that he is the only way, truth, and the life. So if, if you do that, you have a relationship. However, there is nothing in Scripture that says there is a relationship with God in the New Testament apart from the church. There, there's nothing. Matter of fact, Jesus, in his prayer, listen to what he's saying. The only individual he calls out is the one that betrayed him. Everything else is a prayer in the context of his people being one, together, doing the same things, thinking the same things, desiring the same things, going the same. We'll see all this in just a second. And the reason why is, just as we read in Ephesians chapter 4, he designed the body. It's, it's a body supposed to be fit together, joined together by, by joints. And when they work properly... The body builds itself up in love. There's a, there's a reason that we gather. There's a reason why for over, for, yeah, for over 2,000 years, the church has gathered and is still gathering, even under great persecution. Even today, in China, one of the fastest growing churches in the world is the underground church that is greatly persecuted in China. These people are not willing to forsake the assembling of themselves together. They're not willing They realize that God's not God's plan. God's plan is that they meet together, even if they have to do it in secret, because they have to have each other to be unified. And again, unity is a mark of maturity. You you have to be together to be unified. And so what we're doing tonight, as I've said many, many times, you, you may know this, you may could preach this better than me, but all I'm doing tonight, as Peter would say to his readers, is to stir you up in remembrance. Why? So that we all are hearing the same things, so that we all continue to become more and more unified in the word of God. What did he say? Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart through thy truth. This is our identifying manual. This is our, our life manual. This is what we go by. And more often that we can read it individually, more often that we can be reminded collectively, 
the better off we'll be because we'll be going closer and closer to being unified, looking like Jesus Christ. Again, he's not a divided God. Jesus just prayed that, even as we are one. We, we, I and me, uh, you and me, and I and you, and, and them and us. I mean, he's talking about there is a perfect unity in the Godhead. And his people aren't divided. God's not divided, and his people aren't divided, or they shouldn't be divided. He doesn't have divided interest. Neither should his people. And this is where I could meddle a little bit, but I, I'm not going to meddle. Everybody has their thoughts, and God's made us that way. Everybody has their desires. God's made us different. Everybody has preferences, like even the songs that we sing in, as a church. Whether we have a, a wooden wall or cross or things. Some of y'all noticed that back there? <laughs> Brother Jeffrey did a great job. It's amazing sometimes you like you see something and then like I've worked with people before like I'd like this and they say What do you think and I'm like that is not it at all? <laughs> and then when you say I'd like this and they do it and you're like that's perfect. That's better than what I imagined uh, Anyways, that's a little side note but We have different ideas different thoughts different desires different preferences all, all those things are there but again these things shouldn't divide us the word of god is supposed to separate all of us unto himself that that's that's what jesus prayed he didn't say that the color of the carpet will define who they are <laughs> the color of the chairs will set them apart from all the rest of the world he didn't say that he said the words that I've spoken, I've given to them. I've kept your word. I've been consecrated out of this world by the words. And that's what they need to be separated, consecrated, sanctified by. But why aren't we supposed to be divided? Why shouldn't we? If we've got differing thoughts, different preferences, different opinions, if we're all different... Because just like this finger is different from that finger and this forearm is different from this shoulder, uh, they're, they're, this elbow is a different joint uh, than uh, this hip joint. I mean, it's, it's all different, but it's all working together. It's all in the same body, supposed to be working for the same purpose. So why are we not supposed to be divided if we are different? Ultimately, the question is, what would it hinder? If we're divided and we're not unified, if, we're, if we all have our differing thoughts, opinions, all this kind of stuff, and, and, and so that, that's what rules in the church, and so the church never actually becomes united, what does it actually hinder? What is the problem? What would that... Well, you said a while ago that the world may know that you sent me, so... Oh. That's a little bit bigger than... Maybe what we, we think when, when we're not united. What does it hinder? It truly hinders God's plan of reaching the world with his love and the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Because his plan is clear. He prayed his plan. I, I don't know if you caught it. I mentioned it. Verse 18. 
He prayed it very clearly. He said in verse 18, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Remember, he prayed, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world because they got a job to do. I came here, I lived it, I gave them the word, they believe, they're ours, they're, I'm praying that you keep them from the evil one so that they can stay united. I'm praying that they'll be separated by your truth, by your word. That's what defines them. I, I, I pray that the world would know that I'm the Messiah because the unity they have and the purpose that I've given to them purpose of, of him sending us into the world as his ambassadors See, the purpose of unity is the gospel and the plan is to go that's the purpose of unity is is the gospel that the world may know that you sent me that's that's why we're supposed to be unified it's part of us growing to the measure of the fullness of christ we've got to be together in order to grow We've got, to, we, we've got to work together in order to grow into a strong body. And the whole reason for that is that the world would know that Jesus is the only way. That's the purpose of it. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy. Only live in a way that is worthy, that reflects the gospel of Christ. Why? So that whether, this is Paul talking, whether I come and see you or, or I'm absent from you, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, side by side. Why? What are you supposed to be unified in? With one spirit, with one mind, striving together, working together, pushing together, going the same direction. For what? For what? The faith of the gospel. That's it. So we are supposed to be unified in the purpose of, is the gospel that's that's it again if you look at well, so i thought we we're supposed to go measure the fullness of christ we did we already t talked about all that what did he come here for he said i came to seek and save that which was lost i was in the world you sent me into the world to do this and now i've sent them into the world just as you sent me to the world i've sent them into the world and so the 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 the, the vitalness the vital nature of us being unified is that the gospel would get to those who are lost. We spent an entire year on the importance of unity last year. Our theme, yearly theme, was one based on that verse, Philippians 1.27. We could have spent, I think, probably another three years maybe on that topic. I heard over and over and over again people coming out of Sunday school classes, man, I love this theme. It's so, it's so helpful, so encouraging, so convicting, it's so necessary. It's, you know, it, it, and the reason why is because it resonates with the people of God, unity. The only time that we don't, when unity doesn't resonate with us, is when we get focused on the wrong things be it ourselves, be it someone else, be it something else. But that's what Paul said. Look, you should be striving for the faith of the gospel side by side with one mind, one heart. That's what it's about. But there's some, there's some essentials, and I, and I put them down there. This is not necessarily an exhaustive list, but this is something I think that you should write down and that you should remember because this is essential to being unified. 
He says, okay, Brother Kyle, maybe, maybe I'm not as unified as a member as, as, I, as I possibly could be right now. What's missing? Maybe one of these things. Number one, to be unified, you have to be present. Right? I mean, if my hand wasn't attached to my body, it's actually never going to be unified with my body. Right? It's got to be attached. It's got to be present. It's got to be connected. It's got to be a part. It's got to be present. But not only just present, right? Because, I mean, nobody wants like a hand just dangling out there, like useless. It's got to be engaged, right? If, if it wasn't attached with the ligaments and the, and the tendons and it wasn't engaged, if I just left it to be apathetic, then eventually it would atrophy. It begin to wither, begin to no longer have any type of use or the use that it once had. Because it's not engaged in what my body's doing. So it's got, you got to be present to be unified. You got to be present to be unified. You got to be engaged. So some people come to church and they say, I'm not unified and I'm here every single service, but are you engaged? What does engaged mean? Engaged means using your gifts, number one, because that's why God gave you the gifts as one of his children. But engaged means some other things as well. A man that has friends must show himself to be friendly. Let's talk about the worship service. No, I'm not going to talk about worship right now. I'm going to talk about worship next Sunday night. So don't skip Sunday night service because you know what it's going to be about. But during singing, we come in. There should be no other song that we hear on the radio if it's not Christian music that gets, gets our, our motor going more than songs about God. And when we gather together as the people of God to focus on Him and to lift Him up and exalt Him, it should be a moment in our week, in our day, that we look forward to saying something to God in the form of a song, which is all throughout Scripture, even Christ, after the, the Last Supper, they go out to the garden and they sang a hymn, even Jesus sang, you know? But again, it's not just about being here. Well, I'm here. What's the problem? Be engaged. To be unified, you've got to be engaged. But thirdly, you've got to be invested. And that's a level beyond engagement. There's research um, through, you know, there's all kinds like Barna and Tom Rainer, Tom Rainer and all kinds of different church research uh, firms and, and analysis out there that show uh, that people who are most often offended and leave a church, those people who are what they say on the fringe, that are just one, one decision, one move, one uh, series of missing church services to, from being completely disconnected from the church, those people most, I mean, a huge percentage, just like 80, 90-something percent, are people who are not invested. And yes, I do mean financially as well, right? Because let's talk about it. We spend, what matter, we spend money on what matters to us. That's just the truth. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We buy food because it matters to us. You know, we pay for a rent or for a mortgage because it matters to us. 
A lot of times people don't want to talk about church because of the perversion and because of the, the abuse and the misuse that has happened in church. And they, and, and, and they try to spiritualize their lack of investment into the kingdom of God and say, well, that's why. Listen, we're not talking about an amount. We're talking about a condition of the heart. So I, I, I don't have, I can't afford to, 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 to give to the church or to give to missions Look, you can't afford not to. If it matters to you, if you're investing, you, you find ways. I said before, look, if you buy a, a soda somewhere at any restaurant throughout the week or coffee or anything other than free water, you have $2, $3 every week that you could say, I'm going to put this $3 towards missions. I'm going to put this $2.50 or I'm going to put this $5.50 coffee from Starbucks. I'm not going to drink that. I'm going to drink water. And I'm going to take that money, and I'm going to give it to missions. Or I'm going to put it in an envelope and say, church planning. We have, in America, we have that ability. But again, we're invested in what matters to us. Now look at your hobbies. Look at your fandom, what you're into, what you love, what you like. We're invested in that. It's not just money, though. It goes back to what the first two were, present and engaged. Being here, your time, giving of yourself, serving others, serving the Lord. I mean, it's an investment. So unified, you've got to be invested. It's that next level beyond being present, being engaged. You're invested. And then there's another level of all of this, and that's commitment, being committed. And I want to say this, and I, I don't like saying anything about myself, but I, I want to make sure everybody understands. I, I would not ask or say or preach anything from God's Word, especially in the great responsibility that I know it is to be a teacher of God's Word or a preacher of God's Word. Um, without being sincere in this. And so um, in saying that to be unified, we've got to be present, engaged, and invested and, and talk about things like, uh, like finances, being financially invested, serving. Listen, I, I, I'm not, we have something here. I'm, I'm going to be a part of it. I, I want to serve the body. I want to serve in what God has, has given to me. At the same time, Rochelle and I, we tithe and we give both to, to missions, uh, to the building fund, uh, when we have even the missions uh, uh, meals, even when we don't eat back there, we, we give to that as well. And I'm not saying that as a matter of boasting or anything like that. I'm just saying, I'm not going to say as, as the pastor, you should be doing this and me not be doing it. That's bad leadership. When I say, hey, we're going to be here to pray, I'm going to be here to pray. Hey, we're going to have outreach and go, I'm going to be here and go. Like that's, that's, what, that's what it is. Be, be invested. The fourth thing is being committed. Committed. So beyond investment, be committed in that. Don't just be fickle and don't, don't go back and forth. Don't say, you know what, well, there was a season there that I was serving in this ministry. Or there was a season there that I was this. No, be committed to being unified. And the fifth thing is steadfast. To be unified, I think, to be truly 
unified, you have to be steadfast. And that's, I believe, a, a measure beyond being committed. You say, I'm committed, but, but how committed you are. I, I'm committed regardless. I'm steadfast in this. That's what it takes for us to be unified. Because if you're not these things, things can come along and knock you out of that place of, of, of being unified. But if you're steadfast in all of this, if this is, this is the definition of your life for, for the kingdom of God, then there's going to come things against you and you're never going to move off of the purpose of what you are called to do in Jesus Christ as a member of his church. Sometimes we think that we're unified because we're one of those things. But we must have all of those things to be unified, to stay unified. Again, the purpose of unity is the gospel plan to go. Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You'll receive power, and then you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, to all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. You're going to have power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be witnesses. Regardless of what you face, skip forward to just Acts chapter 4, and they get thrown in prison, and they're threatened. Don't ever go out and teach in Jesus' name again. What do they do? They go back in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. They told us not to do it anymore. And when they heard it, look what happens. They lifted up their voices. Look at that next word. Together. They were all on the same page. They were all praying the same thing because they all had the same plan. They all had the same purpose. They all committed and steadfast in this. They weren't going to let anything knock them off, even the threatenings of the people who had Jesus crucified. Look what he says. Look what they say together. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage? Well, the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Everybody was against him to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look, those same people, look upon their threats and grant to your servants release out of this city so that we can go and, and live our lives for ourselves and have peace and, and, and abundance. That wasn't their prayer. They, hey, God, please give us freedom so that we can go and, and build bigger houses and, and, and live better lives for ourselves on this earth. No, that wasn't their unified prayer. Their unified prayer was give to your servants continuance to speak your word with all boldness. They just threatened us. The same people that crucified our Lord who had the power to defeat death and rose from the, the grave. God, we're calling out to you to give us the ability to continue to speak with boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, listen, the, the, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the number, did you hear that? They, they, they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said of any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And here's the answer to what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. And with great power 
Remember Acts chapter 1, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. And with great power the apostles were giving their, uh, giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Question or not is this, are you, unif are you unified in the cause? Not your cause, not some other cause, but the kingdom cause, the cause of the church. Are you unified in the cause? Are you here? Are you present? Well, yeah, on a Wednesday night you're here, but are you engaged? Are you invested? Are you committed? And are you steadfast in all this? To see the unity of the faith come to fruition so that the purpose of God is accomplished through the Great Commission. Are you, are you in it? Are you invested? Are you, are you steadfast in it? Because that's what it's about. Why, why is unity so important? Number one, it's an element that has to be in our life. That's a mark that shows that we're spiritually maturing. But it also is this element that's absolutely essential for the gospel to be accomplished. The challenge tonight is this. Don't be a maligned part of the body. Don't be a diseased part. Don't be an atrophied part. Be a useful, healthy, helping, unified part of the body of Christ. Unity is a mark of a spiritually maturing person. Let's make sure that it's a mark in our lives. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this reminder and this challenge tonight. I know is very challenging to me. Lord, help us to be a unified body. Help us to Keep our eyes on you. Help us to be sanctified, set apart by your word. I pray you move now in these next few minutes. Just work in our lives. Help us respond rightly to this message and this challenge, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.